Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, and thank you, everyone, for joining us on today's Living Your Dash podcast, the podcast that helps you to connect the dots of discipleship. And uh, so, Rick, I know that we're in the middle of our leadership series. And uh, hey, I found a great quote uh, by John Maxwell. I know that you appreciate John Maxwell. Very much. Yes, I, I believe that you probably financed several of his uh, uh, purchases. Yeah, so. I think I maybe have uh, paid for the addition on his home. <laughs> Uh, just with the uh, books and, and uh, resources I have purchased over the years. And it's, it's rubbed off. Including the book that's sitting right in front of me. I was going to say, you actually have, but ladies and gentlemen, he actually has his latest book, the, what is it? The 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication. I'm about halfway through, highly recommend it. Great book if you want to improve your communication skills. So are do you deny that some of them are deniable? I mean, do you are you I am in total agreement with John Maxwell. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, there you go, John. You're welcome. All right. Anyway, he said this, quote, "Effective leaders sacrifice much that is good in order to dedicate themselves to what is best." End quote. Now, so this week, building on perseverance from last week, you introduced us to the importance of leaders as giving entities. So what do you think is the kernel of thought or maybe the law of leadership that's at work in what he just said? Yeah, I thought of one, and this is a John Maxwell a John Maxwell law in one of his other books, mm. and that is a leader has to give up to go up. Oh. And mm. a couple of thoughts there. First of all, in reference to good to great, this means that a leader has to be willing to give up maybe doing some good things in order to do the best things. Mm. You only have so many hours a day, so much energy, and you cannot do everything, even if it is good. And so a leader has to have a lot of wisdom and discernment on saying, hey, there are several good things I could do, but what is of the good things, what is the best thing? Sometimes the greatest enemy of of doing the best thing is doing good things oh. because the good things absorb time and energy. Yeah, I tell you what, though, Sean. Another thing that hit me is um, it. It also means giving up the illusion, and it's illusion that many people think when it comes to leadership. It's giving up the illusion that being a leader means you get to call the shots. And, yeah, and everybody serves you and. You share the vision and everybody comes along and your job is just to direct traffic. Um, hmm. That is not leadership. That's called dictatorship. <laughs> it's actually the exact opposite of authentic leadership. And yeah. I have to tell you, over the years, you know, I've been doing this 46 years, the, and I, I don't even like to use this term, the higher you go in leadership, yeah. I don't even like that term because it it insinuates, oh, there's this pyramid, and when you get to be king of the mountain, you're the king. Um, no, the, the the higher you go, the more you have to give up. Yeah, uh, you you do. You have to you have to say, okay, I, I, I've got more responsibility now 
I have to take care of the people under my care and yeah. under my leadership. So uh, in many ways, I have <clears throat> less control now than I've ever had because hmm. I've had to delegate that and and care about people in the organization, not about my needs and what I want. Mm. You know, I, I know you've mentioned this before, but it reminds me of that, because uh, I think we're going to get into it in terms of the, 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 the term servant leadership. And for servant leadership, there's that uh, inverted pyramid, what they call. Absolutely. And so you may be the, the, the point person, but you're really on the bottom supporting the people that are above you. Uh, and to the outside viewer, it may, looks like, it may look like they're the ones that are supporting you, but it's really the inverse. Yeah. And yeah. So really we need to say, you know, I'm going down in leadership. <laughs> that sounds, it's, yeah. a, it's a paradox. Yeah. But the higher you go, really, you're, you're going down in leadership. Yeah. And the very bottom of leadership is the uh, key leader. Boy, that, that is a great privilege, uh, but it's also a great responsibility. I, I think about, when I look at that phrase, I think about, just even in personal leadership, there are a lot of things that I have to give up uh, that, that really, when I'm a child, I really don't have a lot to think about. I just do whatever I please. Um, but there's a cost to it. Um, but there's also a cost to, to freedom uh, in, in terms of financial freedom that I'm going to have. So I can't just spend anything I want. I have to be very um, uh, intentional and very strategic about spending. I have to be intentional about my time usage. I have to be intentional about my relational um, um, time that I spend with my wife or with other people. So I, really, I become more of almost a slave to those things, don't I? Absolutely. You know, a real quick example of, of this theme, of this principle of you have to give up to go up. Uh, you think of the President of the United States. Yeah. He cannot get in his car and drive to Walmart. <laughs> I mean, think about it. He can't. Yeah. There's no way. That's true. No way. Uh, he has to, you know, he can say, hey, I want such and such from Walmart, but then he has to call one of his aides. They have to make phone calls, get to Walmart. He can't, he can't just walk out of the White House and right. take a little walk around Washington, D.C. And, and view the monuments. He can't do that. No freedom like the, that. So the higher you go in leadership the more you have to give up. Yeah, boy. So no matter how you vote, you have oh. to appreciate that about our leadership. So, okay, so based on, let's get into things here. So based on Paul's instructions to Timothy out of his first letter, you said that there were four ways a leader needed to give. You said one was prayer, the other one was purity, the other one was peace, and the, the last one was a proclaimer of truth. I think that the world thinks that it might be things like, I don't know, being clever or smart, strong opinions, a loud voice. Sometimes we think of a, the person being the loudest person in the room as the leader. Uh, or maybe the ability to, to kill people off, or I should say cut people off, <laughs> yeah. right? What do you think of that? I mean, why are there the four that you presented so generally so important? Yeah, uh, first of all, the reason I presented these four, that's the four Paul presented to Timothy <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in, in our chapter that we looked at. Yeah. But John, what you have just described very clearly is the contrast between the Christian worldview of leadership versus the secular worldview. Mm. And you, you think about when when Jesus came, uh, what 
what got him into so much trouble? Mm. It was his radical teaching that turned everything, I would say, right side up. Everything was already upside down when it came to leadership. Everything was about serve me. Uh, You think of Pilate. You think of Herod. Yes. You know, they were... They were pyramid leaders, right? And uh, they had worked hard and killed off people—not <laughs> uh, just cut them off, but killed them right, off, right? Literally, so they could get to their position. <clears throat> they were positional leaders, not influential leaders. And Jesus came along, and he turned everything upside down. And so, the four ways Paul presents of this is the way a leader is to give. When you think about the four that we looked at on Sunday. They were all ultimately being dependent on God rather than dependent on their position. You think about prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is being being submitted to God. And it's praying to God for leadership and for wisdom. Yeah. Um, peace. Um, God is the great promoter of peace. Yeah. And so, again, it's just, God, we need peace. Show me how to be a peaceful leader. How can I be pure as a leader? How can I proclaim the truth, not what I think, God, but what you think, what you tell me is true, yes. which is radically different from the secular culture's definition of truth. For example, you know, God says there is absolute truth. There are things that are right, things that are wrong. Yes. Secular culture says, oh, no, no, no. Truth is relative. It's not absolute. Mm. So all the way through, you just see this contrast. And to me, the the... The power of the chapter we looked at is Timothy is learning from the, the great Apostle Paul about what, what does it mean to be a, a leader? And Paul says, you've got to learn to give. Mm. It, a leader isn't on the receiving end. He's on the giving end. And here are some key areas, Timothy, where I want you to grow and develop as a leader so that you can be known as a giving leader. Mm. You know, I wonder if... While, while you were talking, I, I thought about the, the story of, or the uh, not just the story, but because it actually happened, I guess it's the story, but the story of when Jesus, he had just uh, preached and he sent the disciples in a boat across uh, the lake. And, but the Bible says that, and Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray. And, and, I, and I often wondered, why did he go send them off? I mean, he could have been in the boat with them the whole time, but instead he goes to pray. And, and I wonder if that, that is maybe a, a picture that Jesus was giving uh, to, to his disciples, that when, when it's your turn to lead, when it's your turn, you're going to have to let your, the people that you have discipled, let them go and be in, embarked in dangerous and hard things, but you've got to pray for them. Yeah, he he not only gave them the example of prayer, because that is a recurring theme in the Gospels where it will continually say, and Jesus went off to a quiet place to pray. You see, the night before he selected his 12 apostles, Mm. he went up on, prayed all night, prayed all night by himself. (laughs) And the next day he comes and and selects the 12 apostles. So you see that recurring theme. So he not only sets them an example, Sean, but even in his teaching, there's one point where he says, I only do what the oh, Father nice. shows me yes. to do. Well, what is that called? That's called dependence. Yeah. Even if Jesus had to be dependent in prayer, 
Certainly we need to be. Okay, so what I hear you saying is that effective leaders really are, and we mentioned this earlier, servant leaders. Um, that's something that we hear a lot of as, as good in principle, but we don't often see. Is can, can I know we talked a little bit about uh, about servant leadership, but what is the difference between servant leadership and I get what well, the other type? What is the other type? Yeah, uh, I, I, I call it positional 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 leadership, and that is, uh, Sean, you have to serve me because I'm senior pastor and you're not senior pastor. That's called positional leadership, and you have to you have to do what I tell you, not because you want to. Not because your heart is in it. Yeah. No, your job is dependent on it. That's the lowest level of, of leadership. And Sean, I mean, you're, we're in my office right now. You're in my office pretty often. Mm-hmm. And I always, I have <laughs> right over here, you know, it is. displayed the, and this is from John Maxwell, and he, it's so true, the five levels of leadership. Notice, the lowest level of leadership is called positional leadership. People follow because they have to. Yeah. And you work your way all, all the way up to what John Maxwell calls level five, which is a pinnacle leader. And that the whole theme there is respect. And that is people follow because of who you are and what you represent. Mm. And now, when you look at servant leadership, uh, and so what is servant leadership? The simple answer is look at Jesus. Mm. Really, look at Jesus. Everything about his life, everything about his three-year public ministry was about serving, meeting people's needs. So primarily he came to, to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom, that there was forgiveness, there was a God who loves and a God who cares. And it was just a radical message. And then along the way, uh, you know, he's healing people. He's touching people's lives. He's showing, not just saying, but he's showing, hey, God cares. God yeah. cares about your hurts. God cares about your needs. So when you look at his life and ministry, it was the whole focus was honoring God, serving people. Yeah. Honoring God, serving people. And when you continue to, to focus on, I, I, as a leader, I want to add value to people. I want to help people know they are valuable to God, yeah. and therefore they're valuable to me. Wow. Wow. Boy, my mind's racing with a lot of things. And by the way, I, I should say, you need to listen to the message. I haven't even said that yet. You need to listen to, listen to the message. Go to roswellgrace.com and uh, just find leadership right there on the homepage. But then you also, if you, I would encourage you, you folks, to Google the five levels of leadership by John Maxwell. So we don't have a lot of time to, to get into that, even though that would be fun. But uh, let, me, let me press forward. Let's think about the components of the giving leader. Um, we talked about prayer and why that's an important aspect. But you, then you mentioned the peaceful leader. Why, why is that a powerful component? Why, why is God pleased with peaceful leaders. I mean, isn't that the same thing as kind of being a doormat to other people? Yeah, the the difference is between peacemakers and peacekeepers. Peacekeepers mm. become doormats. Ah. And their whole purpose is, oh, let's we don't want to have any conflict in our marriage or in our family or we don't want to have any conflict in our church. Hey, you're going to have conflict. Yeah. The the difference is are you going to be a peacekeeper? which really says, let's just pretend like there's no conflict. Mm. Or are you going to be a peacemaker? 
Now, when you study Jesus's teaching in the Beatitudes, blessed, he doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. Mm. He said blessed are the peacemakers. Mm. Peacemakers. Peacemakers, um, Sean, that involves action. It involves involvement. It means uh, sometimes getting your hands dirty, having difficult conversations. Yeah. But the, the goal is not to cover up the conflict. It's to deal with the conflict wow. and to move toward peace and reconciliation. That's why, boy, the, the church, the, the community, we need peaceful leaders. Uh, and again, it doesn't mean doormat leaders. Right. It means rolling up your sleeves and doing the hard work of being a peacemaker. I think that, that in at least for me personally, that this is where that 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 tension or confusion can can really cause a lot of wreckage. Because if um, I think that as Christians, you know, there is that ethic of we, we we want to we want to go along easy with other people. We don't want to try to create a lot of conflict in people's lives. Um, but at the same time, and we're I know we're going to get in this just a minute, but. In terms of living by the truth, there there comes a time where there has to be some. No, let's. We need to create the the, the hard edge here. Mm-hmm. To to fall off is to be dishonest to the, the scriptures and dishonest to ourselves. And so let's try to have a good discussion, a frank discussion, but a firm discussion mm-hmm. about why this is wrong, why you cannot be looking at pornography, why you cannot be uh, out of control with your words, your anger. Uh, your uh, your drinking, whatever, right? Yeah, you know, Paul says elsewhere, you speak the truth in love. Yes. Now, finding that balance is is a challenge, <laughs> but it can't be all love, yeah. and it can't be all truth. Yeah. It truly has to be. How do I speak the truth? How do I, you know, draw that sharp edge? There's some things are right, some things are wrong, and to be able to speak that truth, but to do it with a real loving, compassionate heart that says, "Hey." Uh, I care about you too much to see you destroy your life. Yeah, with this behavior or with this with this addiction. Yeah, yeah. And so the the context then of of, of really the the bride of Christ or the or, or the body of Christ, that's where it becomes so much smoother. When I know that if you give me a hard word, I know that you still love me. Mm-hmm. I know that you're, you're you're still my friend. You're still gonna we're still gonna have a cup of coffee together and share a meal together or live life together. But you are going to be firm. And, and this is why it's very important that the church not represent itself in a secular culture of just being mad. We yeah. can't come across as being mad, that we're mad about everything. And, and we're, our goal is to tell you that you're going to hell. Um, no, our goal is to say, hey, we have found the way to heaven. Yes. And there's some issues you have to deal with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the... the, the Certain behaviors will lead you in the wrong direction. But, hey, we've got good news, not bad news. So Christians need to smile a lot more than they frown. Boy, true. Truly, truly, truly. Okay, so the next one was the the pure leader. Rick, what does godliness and holiness have to do with being a, a truck driver or a nurse or a cashier or a store manager? Yeah, everything in the world. Because <laughs> when, when you think of the word, when you think of the word pure, yeah, what, you know, what's pure? When you buy a, a jar of honey and it says pure honey, that means it's one hundred percent honey. There, it, there's no additives. Uh, it's unmixed. Yeah, I love the word integrated. To me, integrated means pure. It means not disintegrated, not divided, yeah. but truly put together. 
So when you look at those two words that Paul uses for Timothy, godliness and holiness, godliness is simple. It simply means to live like God, to imitate God in the way you treat people. So I want to be a, if I'm going to be a godly person, that means um, I'm going to. There's going to be a purity about the way I treat people. I'm not going to treat you one way. Sean and somebody else another way. Right. There's going to be an integrated way in the way I treat people. And the word holiness, such a misunderstood word. Sometimes people think the word holiness means, oh, that means you dress funny and talk funny. You know, you have to wear a wear a robe and sandals and your speech is, you know, changed to a some kind of holy length. No. <laughs> holiness simply means <clears throat> set apart for God's purpose. Very simple. Yeah. So you think about it. what is set apart for God's purpose is God has a, a purpose in my life. And if I don't see myself set apart, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live an impure life. It might, it'll be a divided life. Yeah. And to be holy means, oh, no, God doesn't want me to have one foot in the secular world behaving in a secular way. And, and on Sunday mornings, I show up and act differently. No that I need to see myself, I'm set apart for God's purpose, and then God sends me 100% of me, not part of me, but 100% of me back into the world, not to be influenced by the world, but to be the influencer. Influencer. And there's the challenge, you know. uh, When you live a divided life, you have a secular part and a a sacred part. Yeah. No, with with a holy life and a godly life, it's there, it's all sacred. It's yeah. all devoted to God. I'm looking at that that second level of leadership on your desk, where it's about permission that people follow you because they want to. They're not going to follow somebody uh, if if they are duplicitous, if if they're double minded, um, if they don't have that integration of what they say is right, but they don't do it. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I I totally get that. That if there is that, if they're not an alloy. An alloy is what? Two metals that are melted together. Usually it makes it very strong. It makes it a lot stronger. Most My, my wedding ring is an alloy. Mm-hmm. But th- when we're thinking about character, uh, character ha- has to be pure. It has to be. There's no other types of, of unnecessary ingredients that would, that would make it brittle yeah. and make it uh, dangerous even. When you think of the three-year ministry of Jesus, why did Jesus have so many followers. Why did thousands of people follow him? Was it because he had a watered-down message? Oh my goodness, read the Sermon on the Mount. Challenging. Man, Jesus set the bar high. Well, why did so many people continue to follow him during his ministry? There was something about him that people wanted to follow. They didn't have to. They wanted to. And it was because of the purity of his life, the purity of his character, and that drew people like a magnet. Wow. Wow. Okay, the last one you said was be a proclaimer of truth. Is is that the same thing as telling people off, right? <laughs> telling people off or, or, or letting letting them my um, uh, letting my subordinates have a piece of my mind. Is that what that means? No, and that's the problem. Many people <laughs> think I want to be a leader so I can tell people off. Yeah. So I can control and and uh, give everybody a piece of my mind. So everybody walks around on eggshells when I come into the office. No. Now, being a proclaimer of truth, it simply means being guided in my daily life 
by what is accurate, by what is true. Yeah. I love Paul because Paul was, he was humbled and honored. I love in this passage, he said that, that God chose me to be a herald of mm. the gospel. I just love that. A, a herald is somebody who announces it publicly. And so he, he was honored to be a herald of the truth because his culture, Sean, just like ours, was guided by untruth. Yeah. And guess what? We have today the privilege of helping people see how they can live their lives and find their true joy, true fulfillment, true purpose. And it really it comes back, we talked about this several weeks back, about what the philosopher, philosophers called flourishing. Right, the, the yeah. The philosophers wanted to find out, what is it? What is it? What behavior, what lifestyle is it that when people follow this lifestyle, they they flourish as a human being. What we've discovered is the truth of Jesus Christ will lead to a life that flourishes. Yeah. And that's why Paul was so excited. He said, man, I finally found it. I, I'm excited about the truth, and I can't, I can't help myself. I have to tell people about what I found because it changed my life for the positive, and it can do the same for others. Right. And I think that a person that... that uh, when they are very firm about the truth, um, they're very, well, oftentimes they come off as polarizing yeah. uh, because uh, people just know. I mean, they're not trying to be black and white about everything, but they are because there's, there's no mixing with them. And I find, well, I find most of them, they're very refreshing. Sometimes they can be downright a little, I don't know, harsh. Challenging. Challenging, that, that's a better word, challenging. But on the one hand, Someone might say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was the herald of truth. That, that's not me. What would you say to that? Well, he, he's telling Timothy, yeah, I'm a herald, but Timothy, I want you to be one too. Yeah. And I want you to, uh, we'll find later in the, his, the, the book, the letters, that he's saying, to, and I want you to find other people. I want you to train other leaders yeah. to be heralds of the truth. So, yeah, Paul isn't saying... Oh yeah, I I have this exclusive right to being a herald of the truth. No, he's more he's he's the satisfied customer. Yeah, he is. He's found something. He's found a product. And he's got to share it. You know, he's got to get on the news and share it with everybody. Yeah, put it on the billboards. That's what Paul is saying. He said, "Man, I'm excited, Timothy, and I want you to be equally excited about being a proclaimer of this truth that we have found." Yeah, and the and the truth of the matter is that. I'm being a herald of something today. Oh, yeah. Everybody's promoting something. That's right. Yeah. So and you're either promoting truth or untruth. Yeah. So why not be excellent about it? Yeah. Why not be proficient about it? And am I going to fail? Yeah, I'm going to fail. But that's not the point. The point is, do people know, oh, yeah, he's the hardest trying Christian I know. That's, I, that's what I want people to know about me, right? At Absolutely. the end of my days. You know, Rick, at the beginning of your message, so now I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. You... you pose this question, what kind of gift do we want to give God? Or what kind of gift do we give to God? You know, right? I mean, it sounds almost silly. What would God need? He's omniscient. He's uh, uh, omnipresent. He doesn't need anything. So why is that really one of the most important questions that a human being could ask? Yeah. In my study of that chapter we looked at, it, a phrase jumped out in the early verses, and it said, this is good and pleases God. And I thought, hmm. I want to know what what is good that pleases God. Yeah. And so when you really expand that theme throughout that whole chapter, 
Paul says, here's what I've learned. I have learned these things will bring honor and and a smile to God's face. So really the the question is not just what, it's not what does God need or what does God want? God doesn't need anything. Right. No. And it's really beyond what does God want. The question is really what does God deserve? Mm. What does he deserve? Bingo. God, God has given us what we need the most and deserve the least, right? Yeah. His love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. No, we need all of those. We cannot earn any of those. We don't deserve That's any right. of it. So God gives us what we need the most and deserve the least. The only appropriate response on our part is to give him what would bring him pleasure, what would bring him a smile. And so I love the fact when I read that chapter, I thought, okay, these are the things that brings pleasure to God. These are the things that please God. You know, when when I pray, when I when I show my dependence on Him. You yeah. know, when when I'm a peaceful person and I'm promoting peace. When when there's a purity of my life that there's I'm not mixed up, mm-hmm. but I'm pure in my life. And when I know the truth, and I want to share it with other people, when I'm practicing those qualities in my life as a leader, God looks down with a smile and says, well done, well done, Mm. good and faithful leader. You're leading the way I want you to lead. When you say things like that, it makes me think of uh, another word, worship. Yeah, what is worship? (laughs) It is giving worth, showing worth to God. Why? Because he and he alone deserves our worship and our praise. Wow. Wow, what a great message. Folks, if you haven't listened to it, I mean, you've got to just take the time, go find the message, and do that. All right, well, as you know, folks, the music has already begun because it's time for Rick's Leadership Quote of the Week. All right, Rick, what do you got for us today? Well, as you know, the theme is the giving leader this week, the giving leader, and Pablo Picasso, maybe you've heard the name. I haven't heard the name. Pablo Picasso. A fascinating quote about this very thing. Here's here's what he said, Sean. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Mm. Now think on that one. The purpose of life is not to get, get, get. It's to give it away. Wow. So find your purpose, folks. Find your purpose. That's God's gift to you is your purpose. Your gift to God is to give it away. Okay, let me press on that just a little bit, though, because I think most of us want to know the purpose of life so that we can find meaning for me. But that's not what you're saying. Not the ultimate. The ultimate goal is to give it away. Wow. To give it away. Find your purpose and then realize... Uh, my purpose is too big for me to hold on to. That's grown-up stuff right there. Uh, it sure is. Right? That, yeah, it's called maturity. <laughs> so, folks, if you, the, the, the intention of a grown-up person is to be a giver. Wow. Okay. Fantastic quote. Okay. And, and you go out there and buy some uh, Salvador Dali art. Okay? So, P- is that, Picasso. 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 Yeah, yeah. Not Dali. No, I think he was kind of weird. Anyway, uh, yeah, what else is going on here, Grace? We continue Sunday. We're going to take the next step in our leadership series. And I love the fourth step. It's called the effective leader. And on, on this one, Sean, kind of, you have to think of a blender. And, you know, you, you're wanting mm. to make a really good uh, protein shake. Yeah. What are the ingredients that go into the blender? We're going to talk about what are the ingredients that needs to go into a leader's life, especially a young leader. 
who wants to grow and develop in his leadership as a parent, as a boss, as a, a, a leader of a ministry, where a school teacher, wherever uh-huh. you are, what are the ingredients that need to go into the leadership blender that when you, uh, when you blend it all up is going to create the effective, the truly effective leader, the leader that makes a difference, that makes an impact wherever that leader might be. Yeah. Don't forget to look at that. Hey, also Sunday, we're excited for a number of our people going through our discovery class journey. Uh Class 501 is the last stop discovering magnification. Uh And Sean, we talked about worship. This is all about what does it take to become a lifelong worshiper of God. So we're going to learn uh, that Sunday night. And people can uh, can register by going online. That's right. That's right. Anything else? That's it, Sean. All right. Well, folks, thanks so much. Next week, tune back in for more Living Your Dash. And I think we'll probably be sponsored by Kachava. So just kidding. Okay. Have a great day, folks. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback. So send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at rosalgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to rosalgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.